Um, good evening. My name's Nathan, and we're going to spend some time hearing from God's Word. And so if you want to read along, we're reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. So Luke 24, 13 to 35. Peter has just left Jesus' tomb, and he's confused of why it's empty. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them by when he broke the bread. Thanks, Nathan. Good evening, guys. How are we going? Excellent. I agree with Nigel. Good evening to three of you. Um, Keep Luke chapter 24 open because we're going to be hearing from that today. We're going to be listening to what God has to say uh, for us this evening. You might have heard a story a few years ago in 2012 of a lady who joined a search party in the Icelandic Alps. She was part of a tour group that was doing a tour throughout all the mountain ranges in Iceland, and she, along with 50 others, a Coast Guard helicopter, and many, many hours spent a lot of time looking for one person. She'd heard the description of who they were looking for, and she was helping them look until after three hours it clicked. 
The person that she was looking for was herself. She'd heard a description of herself. She'd went and gone to the toilet and gotten changed and come back. And this whole group, this whole group of people, the Coast Guard, everyone got involved to look for this person. And she had no idea. She didn't have a clear picture of what was going on. She didn't have a clear picture of the person that they were looking for. Today, we meet uh, these people on the road to Emmaus who meet the risen Lord Jesus, and yet it doesn't click to them. It doesn't click for them because they don't see Jesus. They don't see Jesus for who he is. They don't see Jesus for what it is that he has done. And so we're going to be thinking about this encounter, this encounter on the road to Emmaus and the events of Easter in both Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and how these things give us a clearer picture of our risen and our glorious Lord Jesus. So firstly, a clear picture of Jesus is hard for us to see. It's easy for us to miss uh, who Jesus is and who he reveals himself to be. Uh, so often, if you hear about Jesus, you'll think of someone in pop culture, like some cartoon with a majestically long beard, white robes, and a red sash or something like that. Uh, maybe you might think of Jesus as someone who is here just to help your feelings get better. Someone who can sit with you as you are struggling so that you are not alone. Or maybe Jesus is someone who is here just to make your life better, to bless you abundantly, more than this world can ever provide. Or maybe he is just a good teacher, someone who came and who taught good things and gave us a good example for how to live. Well, there is so much that we can hear about Jesus in this world, and both inside and outside the church. And so it's really important that we don't get distracted that we don't get lost, that we don't get confused about who Jesus is. And so we're going to be thinking today about the clear picture of Jesus that is so hard for people to grasp and so hard for people to see. We're going to kick off our Bible reading from verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. These, are, these guys are walking along, and it has, been, it has been a chaotic week in Jerusalem. It has been absolute scenes. They have seen this man, Jesus, uh, be crucified. They've seen him unjustly tried. They've seen him died, and now there's accounts that actually he is alive resurrected and and going around and appearing to people, it is crazy. And so for Jesus to come up and ask them what they were talking about, you've got to think, what are you on about? Jesus, what, why haven't you heard of this? This would be like someone in 2021 not having heard of coronavirus or social distancing or the New South Wales health app to check in at every cafe and function you go to ever. He hasn't gotten it. He hasn't understood it. They hasn't understood the massive, big news that has been going on. But actually, Jesus is in the right here. These guys have missed it. These guys haven't grasped what is going on. It gets to the point where we want to kind of grab them by the scruff of the neck and go, Jesus is right there in front of you. Get it. Understand it. What is wrong with you? But we have a much bigger perspective, don't we? 
As readers of Luke's gospel, uh, we get the full story. We don't just have the events of Easter Friday. We have the events of Easter Sunday as well, and we have uh, an, an opportunity to look into this encounter and to learn and to grow. I think it's a bit unfair for us to just roast these guys for fully missing the point, but I think at the same time, there's a lot that we get to learn from them. So, they outline to Jesus everything that happens to Jesus. They explain everything that's going on, and Jesus is like, yes, I know. I um, was talking with Charlie Wire earlier, and all of a sudden just remembered a meme that I saw one time, so thanks, Charlie. It's this one. Um, this is like Jesus explaining everything. They're explaining it to Jesus. He's like, of course I know him. He is me. We're about to see everything that they say about the Lord Jesus. So have a look from verse 19 in your Bibles in front of you. What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just, had, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Wow. Just, just wow. They have explained every single thing that has happened to Jesus to Jesus. Now, it's with great hesitancy that I ask you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes for the moment. Here you are, Lord of the entire universe, freshly resurrected conqueror of death, and someone who deeply loves these people that are in front of you. You're someone who loves these guys that just haven't gotten it. And so I think that it's fair that as Jesus addresses these men, he's a bit blunt with them. He does so out of love. He says in the next verse, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He then let them know what it is that they should have been looking for. The clear picture that they should have been looking for already. The Messiah... Jesus was going to have to suffer and be killed. The Messiah was going to then enter his glory. And he spent some time reading the Old Testament scriptures with them and helping them see it and helping them get it. And even then, they still didn't get it. It wasn't until down in verse 31 that they actually recognized him and they actually clearly understood who it was they, that he is. Verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And they recognized him once he had broken the bread. Once he had broken the bread and sat down with them for a meal. Our Lord Jesus is one who loves to be in an intimate relationship with his people. He loves close fellowship. He loves to be with people, to feel their hurt, to listen to their stories, to encourage them, to eat alongside them. He loves to speak to individuals over the context of a meal, individuals in community. And we saw this throughout the start of this year as we went through Luke's gospel and just sat with every time Jesus sat down with his people. 
And it's when they recognize Jesus' love for them in this, when he breaks the bread, that they get it, that it clicks, and that they get to see this clear picture of Jesus. It's so easy for us to miss a clear picture of Jesus. Sometimes when we're confronted with who Jesus reveals himself to be in the scriptures, it doesn't necessarily line up as neatly as we would think. Because sometimes we might just keep reminding ourselves of who Jesus is, but in a slightly different and wrong and twisted way. Let's make sure that we have clear pictures of Jesus that come from who he says he is. To his disciples 2,000 years ago and to his disciples today. Now, key to a clear picture of Jesus is a picture of Jesus that recognizes his suffering. It's something that his disciples seem to continually miss throughout the Gospels. Three times throughout Luke so far, he has said, the Messiah is going to suffer, the Messiah is going to die, and then the Messiah is going to rise from the dead. And they still don't get it. They still don't get it. It's something that has been long awaited Let's have a look from verse 25 in front of you. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. A key part of this rebuke to the disciples is that these people have missed Jesus' suffering. And the secret that is in these three verses, this is the key to unlocking a clear picture of Jesus. It's actually not that Jesus has kind of come onto the scene and all of a sudden we understand the character and the work of God. No, we see what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. We see the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, and what God has revealed himself long, long ago, hundreds of years before Jesus, we actually see the character of who he is. And we see what God has said about him. Through the Old Testament, which we have in our Bibles right in front of us, or on our phones in our pockets, we get to see the character and the love of God. The promises of the Messiah, who was, was God's promised king, who was sent to bring victory for Israel. Um, this, is, this is who the people have been waiting for, for hundreds of years. And he's here, and these people still haven't gotten it. Throughout the whole Old Testament, we see God patiently waiting for his people to recognize him. We see God again and again reaching out to them and promising them and saying the Messiah will be coming. And people still don't get it. The whole Old Testament is the foundation that we have for this clear picture that we have of Jesus today. I've been reading a theology book by an old Dutch theologian who has a great name. His name is Herman Bavink. And he says that the Old Testament is the pedestal on which the gospel rests and the root out of which it grows. That is, that the character, the work of Jesus, the story and the narrative of Jesus is built on the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is where it grows from. The Old Testament is what helps us get a clearer picture of our Lord Jesus, 
And I wonder, I'm asking you tonight, I wonder how well you know your Old Testament. Sure, some of us might be familiar with Genesis 1 to 3 and Daniel in the lion's den and Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, but there is so much more. There is hundreds and hundreds of pages of God's deep love for his people pointing to the Messiah, Jesus. When was the last time you sat down and spent a good chunk of time just sitting and listening to God, listening to the scriptures, and seeing some of the things that Jesus has said about himself in the scriptures. Knowing our Old Testament helps us know Jesus that much more clearly. These guys on this road to Emmaus would have known their Old Testament, but they somehow just didn't get it. One thing that's really struck me over the Easter season as we've been looking in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus' control and his calm over everything that had happened to him. And we see that even though he experienced tremendous and great and deep suffering, it didn't come as a surprise. But because he knew his Old Testament, he knew that it was always going to be a part of the plan. As we reflected on uh, over the last few weeks, and particularly at Good Friday, Jesus knew that he was going to be rejected. It didn't surprise him. It didn't surprise him. It was always a part of the plan. When Jesus told Peter he would reject him three times and pretend not to know him out of fear, there was no surprise because Jesus was in control. The suffering of Jesus was always part of the plan. When Jesus is anxious to the point of literally sweating blood, it was no surprise. He trusted in God's plan. That's not to mention him being arrested and mocked and beaten and condemned while a criminal went free and pouring out, uh, having the anger and the wrath of God poured out, Jesus giving up his spirit to absorb the punishment for sin for every single person who trusts in him, the tremendous and the unimaginable and the entirety of this suffering was not a surprise to Jesus. He trusted God's plan. The suffering of the Messiah, as outlined here and elsewhere, is not something that took Jesus by surprise, but is a part of his plan. It's knowing that Jesus recognizes suffering that is such a great comfort to us and such a beautiful truth for us to hold on to. A message of Jesus without a recognition of his suffering would, would almost offer us a God who couldn't seem to empathize with our struggles and our suffering and our weakness. God without suffering would, would be distant. He would seem demanding and he would deem it impossible for us to be saved. It's a clear picture of Jesus that recognizes his suffering and it's in this that we see the solution to this suffering. It's in the suffering of Jesus that we then see the resurrected and victorious king who brings us hope. It's a clear picture of the resurrected Jesus brings hope. The disciples today are struck by this encounter. They, they were remarking about these events, and before they knew that Jesus had risen from the dead, before it was, when it was just speculation, we read this in, in their outline of the events of Easter. 
said the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since these events have taken place. Do you see that the pain and the heartache in that? Do you see we had hoped? That's a past tense. These people loved Jesus. They knew Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They were excited about Jesus. But three days earlier, all of that knowledge and love and trust and excitement was buried in the same tomb as Jesus was. Because they could not see the resurrection. They could not see their hope. They could not see the clear picture of Jesus that we know. It's now that we put ourselves in their shoes. These people who have been hoping for hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah to come, and they thought they'd had him and he was gone. They no longer had the great prophet who was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The Jesus that they were following was crushed, was rejected, was betrayed, was killed, was humiliated, and was dumped into a hole in the ground. They don't have the light of Easter Sunday to speak to the darkness of Good Friday. They are only left with loss and pain and grief and hopelessness. There's a reason that verse 17 shows that their faces were downcast. Because without the events of Easter Sunday, without the events of the resurrection, we can have no hope. We can have no light to look forward to. We have no resolution to our suffering, no reason for our living, and no rest for eternity. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we are nothing. He is nothing. But we can see clearly through what God has said to us today. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the resurrected, the reigning, the conquering king, the one who has destroyed death, who brings hope and life and peace for all. This is why we see in verse, one of the verses, in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their hearts were burning because the hope that they were waiting for was the one that was standing right in front of them. The clear picture that we can have of the resurrected Jesus is one that gives a real and eternal and everlasting hope. This is by no means a vain or a temporary hope at all. No wishful thinking. It's not, I wish I would find $10 on my way to church this morning. It's not, I wish I wouldn't stub my toe on my dining room chair for the 10th time this week. Or maybe more seriously, it's not, I wish that that family conflict would ease, or I wish that that illness would go away. These things are all good things to hope for, but there can be no certainty. These are things that may or may not happen, but not so with the resurrection. In the resurrection, which we saw the evidence for last week, we have a certain hope. A hope built in the past that's directed at our future. A certain hope for our relationship with God to be completely and perfectly restored. 
for Jesus to declare us innocent, and a hope for heaven which will have no sickness, no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. The men on the road to Emmaus had every reason to have their face downcast. They had every reason to be depressed and despairing because they had no hope. They had a prophet who had spoken his last and a powerful man who was overcome by death. But that's not all there is because Jesus is alive. The certain, the deep, the beautiful, the eternal hope that we have, may we hold on to it. Dave McDonald is a minister on the mid-north coast of New South Wales who uh, is battling terminal illness. Um, He's someone who knows Jesus and who loves Jesus and who loves the hope that the resurrection brings. And so he has written a book called Hope Beyond a Cure. And in this book, he encourages all people, whether battling with illness or not, to look to the hope that the resurrection of Jesus brings. In this book, he says this. He says, if we stay fixed on the world around us, on the circumstances that face us, then the worries of this world will eventually lead us to despair. We can find hope in this world, but it has its limits. And sooner or later, we will reach those limits. But... This hope for eternity is not wishful thinking for pie in the sky when we die. No, it is real and anchored in history. It comes from Jesus Christ and his victory over death. God wants us to know this, to know this hope and to take a hold of it for ourselves. Have you taken a hold of the hope of the resurrection for yourself? Have you taken a hold of the resurrection for yourself? I pray that you have. And I pray that if you have not yet, then that you will, because this is the best thing that you could ever possibly do. So as we end, as I invite the band up, what are we going to get from this encounter these men had with Jesus? Are we going to remain like this Icelandic tourist, spending hours and resources looking for something that isn't a clear picture of the reality? Are we going to be like the disciples at the end of this story, with hearts burning because they had resurrection hope? They could see the suffering of Jesus and they had a clear picture of him right in front of them. 645, Jesus is alive. Jesus is the king. Let us see him and see him with increasing clarity now and this week and for the rest of our lives until he takes us home. I'm going to pray and ask that he'll help us do so. Our mighty and everlasting Father, we thank and we praise you for the resurrection of Jesus over death. We thank you Uh, for the clear picture that we have in the scriptures. We thank you for the clear picture we have of who he is, of what he needed to do, and indeed what he did do. We thank you for Jesus' suffering, and we thank you for Jesus' resurrection. May we know and may we take hold of this hope for ourselves. In Jesus' great and mighty and powerful and victorious name, amen.